Welcome to the Adoring Christ podcast with Corey DeLeon and Nora Lee Omelia. Adoring Christ Ministries exists to equip women to know Jesus Christ and become like Him. This podcast helps to equip women to influence their homes, workplaces, churches, and other communities. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hey everyone, it's so good to be with you again today as well. I had the opportunity to talk with Lee Strobel about life, ministry, and his newest book, The Case for Heaven. And I am excited to tell you that this interview with Lee is just a precursor to what is coming at the Adoring Christ Equipping Conference because Lee happens to be our Friday night keynote speaker. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with the Adoring Christ Equipping Conference, let me just take a moment to tell you about it. Um, Adoring Christ hosts an annual conference in Houston, Texas, and the mission of the conference is to equip women to influence their homes, their workplaces, their churches, and other communities to know Jesus Christ and become like Him. And so we have um, keynote messages and we have workshop messages that are all designed to Um, encourage your faith and to equip you, to equip you to be able to study God's word um, and also to equip you to be able to make disciples as you go through the next year. Um, And so this year, the theme of our conference is Homeland from the book of Hebrews. Now, Norley, let me just ask you a question real quick. When you think of Homeland, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? Like, what do you get excited about? Hmm. That is a great question. Well, okay. When I think of homeland, I actually think of a time when I studied abroad. I don't know if you've studied abroad or lived in a foreign place for an extended period of time, but I got to study abroad in Italy and it was incredible. The culture, the food, the beautiful language. I was actually in Tuscany and then I was also on the Amalfi coast as a nanny. And, um, it was just dreamy and magical and beautiful. And I really enjoyed my time there. I will say though, the longer I was there, the more I discovered how much I was an outsider in a foreign land. Um, I thought the language was beautiful, but with time there was frustration as I couldn't communicate, um, well, when I was at the market or eventually as I began to have friendships there, I realized I really couldn't communicate well in a deep way and meaningful way with the friends I was making. And so as time went on, I really was reminded that I was an outsider and I, it was isolating in a lot of ways. And so, um, I really enjoyed my time there, but as I ended up coming home, uh, towards the end of my, my travels, I was coming back to the United States with a greater appreciation of my culture. I didn't, I didn't really think the United States, we had a great culture here. And as I came back, I realized, wow, I do have a culture in my homeland and I have a common language and um, really, this is a place I belong. Although I loved Italy, um, my my home was here in the United States. And um, I would say when I think of it in a spiritual sense, I, I think of us living here on this earth and we, we don't actually belong here. We're not made for this world. We are made um, to be with God in his image, in his, um, in his presence. And I think about the homeland in a spiritual sense, and it brings up feelings of being fully known and fully loved and in the presence of God where I experience a true belonging. Um, so that's, that's kind of what comes to mind when I think of homeland. What about you, Corey? When you think of homeland, what, what comes to your mind? Well, you know what? I'll share that in a minute. But first, I want to say I absolutely love what you just shared because it really is the heartbeat behind the inspiration for our theme this year. Um, 
it goes without saying that we have been walking through some hard times um, on a global level and people are tired and exhausted. And that is really what has inspired um, us to go with Homeland from the book of Hebrews, because that's the culture in Hebrews. Like the believers in Jesus Christ are tired. They're getting sluggish. um, They're getting faint. And so um, the author of Hebrews you know, talks about in the book how keeping hope alive is an active pursuit. And yes. one of the ways that Hebrews teaches us to keep hope alive is by living in view of our glorious homeland coming soon. And what's fascinating is that Hebrews has um, kind of like, the, it, it talks about how we can come to the heavenly feast now. So it's picking up on those already not yet concepts that like right. you can live beyond the veil now, like come beyond the veil today, live in the spiritual realm today where, you know, see the supremacy of Christ, be refreshed by the, sem- the supremacy of Christ, be refreshed in the fact that um, you are joined together with these cloud of witnesses, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Like live beyond the veil in the already not yet. And and when we do that, when we develop these homeland habits, um, it will keep us um, salty for Christ, right? Yeah, because definitely. we'll be fired up. So it, when I think about it, it almost has that feeling of Narnia, right? Like come back into Narnia, be refreshed, be refueled. Um, as we continue to walk here in these, you know, last days. And so, you know, I think, um, you know, we just find ourselves walking more in step with the saints of old who Hebrews 13 describes as people who lived like exiles on earth, Mm -hmm. looking forward to the heavenly homeland coming soon. Uh, So, yeah, I love what you shared because I think that is just a great picture that just really puts flesh on the concept of um, we're tired just like you were in Italy you know we can drift away like in Italy you had all this fun new cultural experiences but you wanted to eventually come back home and we can drift away um, from Christ and his kingdom during these hard days when we're tired but there's a point where it's like you we need to be reminded like come back home come back home and be refreshed and be revived yeah, Corey, I, I find that growing longing in my heart to be with Christ in our homeland. Um, just, I don't know if it's the more I'm in scripture, or the more I live in this world and I recognize and feel and experience, man, I am not made for this world. And so I'm really excited to listen to this interview with Lee, Lee Strobel. So I hope you guys enjoy this interview as well. Well, hey, Lee, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity. Great to be with you. I'm, I'm excited about what your organization is doing, how God is blessing it and uh, opening up great opportunities for women to grow and learn, develop their faith uh, in a vibrant and an exciting way. Well, um, we're excited to hear about what you're doing, too. I mean, I, I wasn't planning on asking you this, but will you just tell us a little bit going on with your ministry? Because you have a new book out and a new movie and and a new thing going on in Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. My new book is A Case for Heaven. And uh, we did a film. It's a documentary that was in movie theaters this last spring and 3000 theaters coast to coast. It's now uh, streaming on Pure Flix, uh, that platform, which is a faith friendly family-friendly platform for videos. And um, we've also started a center at uh, Colorado Christian University 
for evangelism and applied apologetics, which means giving evidence for the faith and reasons for why we believe what we believe. And uh, people can get uh, bachelor's degrees, master's degrees, or just can take continuing education courses fully online, fully accredited uh, through our uh, uh, Lee Strobel Center. That is so exciting. And a minute ago, you were telling me that you're seeing a lot of awakening uh, with women wanting to be trained and equipped in apologetics. Will you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, we are really seeing a, a huge number of women getting involved in Christian apologetics. I've been praying for this and encouraging women for many years to do this. There's even an organization called Women in Apologetics. And um, so women are writing books and doing blogs and, and podcasts and so forth, talking about why we believe what we believe. And I really believe it's driven by... Um, um, you know, the increased skepticism in our culture uh, driven by the internet is affecting our kids and our grandkids. And both men and women are saying we need to do a better job of helping our kids understand why we believe what we believe. Yeah, I think that is so exciting. I was just talking with a friend uh, this week because it was my daughter's first day of school and I kind of went to school to just greet people. And next thing I know, I was just ministering to moms and and of course, he measured to myself as well, <laughs> but like just how God has made us in his image to be uh, to give life. And we love our kids because God has put that special love in our hearts to protect them and to equip them. And to your point, we are living in a day and age where we're realizing, wow, this is uh, we need to be better equipped. So I'm so excited to hear that you're seeing that on your end. And I'm so excited that you're going to be joining us at the Houston Equipping Conference this year, the ACM yeah. Equipping Conference. Um, our theme this year is Homeland from the book of Hebrews. And Hebrews teaches us that during difficult days, we need to keep our hope alive and that keeping our hope alive is an active pursuit. And one of the ways that Hebrews teaches us to stir up our hope and to fire up our faith is by living in view of our eternal promised land, this eternal homeland that's coming soon. And so we're so excited that you're going to be our opening keynote speaker, giving us the message of evidence for our coming homeland. Like you just said, um, you have a new book out, The Case for Heaven. And in it, you've applied your research and your analytical skills uh, to show us definitive evidence evidence for the existence of heaven. Um, and you open up your book, and I love it, by sharing your own personal story of nearly dying and how that was really instrumental in leading you to write this book. And so I wondered if you would just kind of begin our time by telling us a little bit about that experience. Yeah, it was about 10 years ago. Um, my wife found me unconscious on the bedroom floor as she called the paramedics. I remember waking up in the emergency room and the, the, the uh, doctor looked down at me and said, you're one step away from a coma, two steps away from dying. Wow. And, and I lingered um, between life and death for um, quite a while till the doctors were able to save my life. Uh, I had an unusual condition called hyponatremia, which is a severe drop in my blood sodium level. And this causes your brain cells to take in moisture and expand. Well, of course, there's no room to do that inside your skull. And so I had hallucinations, fell unconscious, and then the next steps would have been seizures, um, a coma, and then death. So uh, they were able to save my life, which is fortunate. But, you know, I don't know how many of your viewers have experienced a moment where they were close to death, but it's a very clarifying yeah. experience. Wow. And, uh, you know, at that moment, nothing is more important mm -hmm. than what happens when you close your eyes for the last time in this world. And, and so I, as a Christian, I believe what the Bible teaches me about heaven and hell, but um, I'm still, 
I got the DNA of a skeptic. I mean, that's yeah. my background in journalism and law. And so uh, that's what prompted me to investigate uh, the evidence. What is the evidence that wow. indeed uh, we do continue to live on after we leave this world? Wow. Well, I can kind of relate with you a little uh, because it was my father's death some years ago that led me to begin thinking about the age to come. And this was about 20 years ago now. I was saved in my young 20s when I heard the gospel for the first time here in Houston and had a radical conversion experience. But it was shortly after that that my father was diagnosed with cancer. And so I took a leave of, of absence from work and I went to be with him in his, um, you know, kind of final three months of life. And Lee, I cannot even tell you how life changing it it was for me to sit next to my father's death bed and be really have to acknowledge the reality of death. And it was the first time that, you know, I was really looking for hope at a whole new level. I was a new believer. I wasn't super familiar with the word of God yet. Although, you know, I had that hunger that new believers have for God's word. So I'd been, you know, like a glutton for God digesting it. But it was really, that was the first time God led me to begin reading the book of Revelation for the first time. And so I'm sitting there looking at, the, you know, being faced with the reality of death and then looking down at my lap at the word of God that describes this indescribable glory coming soon for believers in Jesus Christ. And yeah. it was just amazing how much being put in that position transformed my life at such a young place in my Christian walk. And I've always loved what C.S. Lewis says, where he said, if you read the history, you will find that the Christians who did the most in this present world were precisely those who thought most about the next, because that was really the experience I had, um, because it just changed the way I live. Like the reality of death has a powerful impact on our lives today. But yeah. you talk about something in your book that's so true. You say Hebrews 2.15 says that Jesus came to rescue people who have been held in slavery by the fear of death, that we are afraid to die. So instead of acknowledging the, the reality and letting that have its work in us, we often look for ways to divert attention from it. Yeah. And yeah. I just thought that was powerful. And I was wondering if you'd just talk with us a little bit about how, how do we see people, you know, actively working to divert our attention from this reality we're all going to face? Yeah. First of all, your experience with your father is a blessing that few people have had uh, the ability to really minister to and be ministered by um, a, a parent who's about to pass. And so, um, you know, what a, what a blessing that was to be able to uh, go through that experience and, and what an impact it's had on your life and, and ministry. Uh, but you're right. A lot of people want to divert their attention away from the fact that we're going to die. Uh, they do it a couple of different ways. They do it by denial. Uh, it's like, no, I'm not going to die. You know, and yeah. we never really say it out loud, but it's like, yeah, to a funeral. Sometimes you leave the funeral and, and our unspoken attitude is, well, too bad about a bunk of Bob dying, but I'm sure glad it's not going to happen to me. And yeah. we just, we just pretend like it's not going to happen to us. We're the exception, whatever yeah. we have, it's going to threaten our life. They're going to figure out a way to cure it. So we deny it. Another thing we do is we distract from it. Um, you know, we pay sports stars and entertainment stars huge mm -hmm. amounts of money to divert our attention away from the reality that we're going to die. And then uh, a lot of people, uh, it results in depression. Um, a well-known mm -hmm. atheist wrote recently said, depression is a serious problem in the greater atheist community. And far too often mm -hmm. that has led to suicide. Um, and, and so some people suffer depression as a result of this. Interestingly, a recent study from Harvard University showed that regular attendance at religious services, church services, decreases uh, depression-related deaths by 33% among, among men 
and 68% among women um, wow. because there's hope. There's hope in, mm-hmm. in God. And as you said, from that verse, you know, Jesus rescues us from uh, being slaves to our fear of death. Ah, that's so powerful. And, you know, walking through this global pandemic, the past few years has resulted in many people being confronted with death, kind of like you were and like I was, where it's not as easy to divert our attention from it. But I love how God uses everything for good. And so what are some ways that you've seen how God can use like, you know, the acknowledgement of death and really confronting it and, and, and going from there? Like, how have you seen God use the reality of death to shape and fire up our faith? Well, you're right, especially coming out of the pandemic where 30% of Americans know someone who's died. My brother, my older brother died uh, during the pandemic. So um, a lot of people know someone who's died. I remember Leslie and I were having lunch at a restaurant in Houston, and uh, our waitress was a young woman by the name of Cameron. And we started chatting with her, and all of a sudden she burst into tears. And we said, what's wrong? She said, oh, I'm so sorry. I almost didn't come into work today. We just lost a family member to COVID. And I thought, here's a young woman, about 18 years old, probably never thought about death before. I mean, why should right. she have her whole life ahead of her, right? But right. now you could see the apprehension in her eyes and the concern on her face. And, you know, she was looking for answers. She was looking for hope. And, uh, and the wow. good news is we have the hope. Jesus yeah. rescues us from our fear of death. And um, uh, so I think people are more open than perhaps in recent history to the gospel and to hearing about the hope that we can find through Christ. I mean, I, I just have to pause for a moment and say how cool that is that <laughs> she has no clue. She's talking to Lee Strobel, probably. <laughs> You're like, I have some answers for you. In fact, I'm going to rabbit trail for a minute, but I have to tell you this funny story. Yeah. Um, so when I was a new believer, um, I was a, a buyer, a, an associate buyer in the fashion industry. And so I was uh, coming home from New York and I was going on my first mission trip down in Honduras with my church. And so I was so pumped because they had given me the opportunity to share like the gospel with the stick people to kids. Right. So it was like my first time sharing the gospel. So I'm on the plane and I'm like share, I'm like working through the stick person thing because I'm still learning it myself as a new yeah. believer. And this guy sitting next to me says, Hey, can I ask you a question? Do you really believe that? And I said, you know, so I tell him my story, my testimony. And of course, my testimony is like Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, you know, going to the depths of partying and looking for, you know. And he says, well, you know, I appreciate that, but I'm not really like that's not really tempting to me. Mine's more like I'm a skeptic. And I said, oh, and I said, well, I'm a new believer and I don't know a lot about it. I think there's this thing called apologetics. And I've heard of a man named Lee Strobel. And I was like, if you know, I would just recommend maybe going and finding a book on this because he's like my kid, my daughter and my wife are starting to go to church. And that's why I'm really wanting to understand this better. And so I said, I know this is really random, but I was like, if you end up coming to faith, would you just like call this phone number? I gave him my boyfriend's number at the time because I didn't want him calling me. And I was like, and just leave a message. So some time passes and my boyfriend one day comes up to me and he's like, hey, do you remember that guy you were telling me out on the airplane? He called my phone and was crying. He had found one of Lee Strobel's books, read it and came to faith. Oh, my goodness. That <laughs> Isn't that is so, so cool? Awesome. Wow. I that know. My day. That, that is just fantastic. I know. I mean, I love how God uses us like the Samaritan woman. I didn't know anything, yeah. you know, but I was uh, able to just point him to you and you did the hard work of 
convincing wow. him. And so I think that's well, so fun that you're at a restaurant with a waitress I, and she I, has I, no clue. She's talking to Lee Strobel. <laughs> I love how, how we end up, whether we know it or not, partnering even for the sake I of the know. gospel. You know, I know. Cliff Connectly, who's an evangelist, says, you know, a person coming to faith is like a chain with many links. And sometimes wow. we're first link, like you kind of were there. Sometimes we're middle link. Sometimes we're an end link. Uh, but when someone does come to faith, all the links in the chain can celebrate because God is so used great. all of us to point them toward hope. That's that's great. I love that. I can't wait to tell my wife that story. I do too. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's such a fun story. In uh, fact, my husband's like, you should tell Lee that. And I'm like, well, I just yeah. am not going to have time on the podcast. We only have oh, 20 minutes. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, now I do have to tell you that. It's just perfect. <laughs> Well, I love how like in your book, you talk about it's not just the fear of death, but you say, here's the deal. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that God has set, you know, eternity in every human heart and that everybody is looking for immortality and eternal life. And I thought this was so profound when you said this, but apart from God, like yeah. everybody's looking for immortality, but apart from God. And so yeah. um, what are some ways that we see that? Because again, what we're passionate about is equipping women, right? Yeah. And so women to influence the women and the people in their homes and their neighborhoods and their churches, they're going to be out doing life with people and see that everybody's searching for immortality, but apart yeah. from God. Right. You know, uh, the, the Hebrew is a little obscure in that passage in Ecclesiastes, but most scholars believe uh, it means that God has implanted this desire in us to live forever. And as you say, mm -hmm. some people say, OK, yeah, I, I do want to live forever, uh, uh, but I don't need God for that. And, and so mm -hmm. whether consciously or not, they try to um, uh, achieve immortality apart from God. How do they do that? Well, some set out to achieve great things. And, you know, they're going to invent something. They're going to design a great cathedral. They're going to write a masterpiece. They're going to paint a great wow. painting and, and their name will be remembered. Sure, they'll be dead, but their name will be remembered through history. Wow. Uh, they'll have a Wikipedia page. Through <laughs> right. Yeah. And some people go the other way and they commit horrible crimes uh, just so their mm. names will be remembered. Um, why did Mark David Chapman kill John Lennon? He was wow. real explicit about it when he told the parole board, I wanted a piece of his fame. In other words, he wanted fame. He wanted to be remembered. And so he was willing to commit a terrible crime. So his name will be remembered. Uh, some people try to do this through their families. They have a family, maybe a large family with the hope that their legacy will live on. Their name will be remembered through history. And yet the irony of that is if you ask most people, do you know the first names of your great, great grandparents? Most of us don't know the name. I know, not sad. I don't. I, know. I don't either. <laughs> yeah. And if you do, it's like, do you care? Probably not. Right. So, right. So, but people have this desire to, to continue to live on. And, and uh, they, they sometimes do do things like that, whether consciously or not, just to be remembered through history. Elaborate on this probably at the equipping conference, but you talk about transhumanism. I thought that was so interesting. Can you tell us a little bit like what is transhumanism and what's your response to that? It, and I know you can't go into too much detail on this podcast, yeah, but yeah, well, basically transhumanism is the melding of biology and technology. And again, it's an, another way that people try to live forever without God. And so how can we augment our physical bodies with technology to continue to live on? So for instance, one, one scientist said by the year 2050, you'll be able to download your mind into a computer and continue to live forever through that computer. 
Well, honestly, this is just a pipe dream. Our brains have a thousand trillion connections. Even Mm -hmm. if you use artificial intelligence, it'll take a thousand years just to map all the connections in our brain. And even if you were able to then build a computer that matched our brains, how does it become conscious? You know, it's not an automatic thing. So I think a lot of transhumanism is is just a pipe dream to live on without God. You know, we're created in God's image. Transhumanism Mm. says, let's try to create some people in our image, you know, with our technology and so forth. So I think it's kind of a, a misguided thing. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because I know I remember another thing you said in your book is just this obsession with like Whole Foods and and yeah. um and I see that a lot, right? Like yeah. and I I love Whole Foods, okay? Yeah. Like um, I mean, I love organics and I love all that, but you're right. I see so many people who are just obsessed with yeah. it because of this like just maybe this very subtle impulse that maybe they don't even recognize themselves right. that you said are just seeking for living longer and in, in, in immortality, but apart from God. Right. And so how exciting that we have the gospel to say, Hey, we can quit striving and, you know, looking for immortality apart from him and all these like crazy ways. Yeah. Right. And that yeah. there is a way to yeah. have immortality through this glorious relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, but I was wondering, you know, kind of in view of the equipping conference coming up, like, can you just give us a preview of like, how does the message of life after death equip us to have hope in these difficult times and during these difficult days? I mean, it really is yeah. about at some level of awakening hope in our own hearts and firing up our own faith. Yeah, you know, Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But take courage, I have overcome the world. And so by his resurrection from the dead, he has demonstrated that he is who he claimed to be, the unique son of God. And uh, and he opens the door of heaven to all who follow him in repentance and faith. And so um, uh, it is a message, Christianity is a message of hope. It's a message of inclusion. It's a message of uh, eternal life. And and sometimes when I get into a conversation with someone, I'll say, you know, would, would you be interested if I could summarize the entire content, 800,000 words of the Bible in one wow. verse, in 21 words, would you be interested? Well, most people, <laughs> yeah, I would be. What, what yeah. is it? And then I quote Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. You know, the wage of sin is death. What we deserve, what we've earned, the consequence of living a life apart from God is death, eternal separation from God. None of us wants that. But the free gift of God is eternal Mm -hmm. life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. He died for our sins, to pay the penalty we deserve for our sins and offers forgiveness and eternal life as a free gift of his grace. And I find that, um, you know, today with the increased sensitivity to life and death because of the pandemic, more people are open to that message than ever before. Well, yeah. And and that's what I was just going to ask you next is like, okay, how does this message fire up hope within our own hearts? But I love how second Corinthians says, Hey, God's the God of all comfort. And he doesn't just comfort us, but he comforts us. So we'll be a comfort to others. And so, you know, of course, that's what we're excited about equipping women to do is firing up their own hope. But then how do they, you know, how will this message equip them to share their hope with the people in their homes, in their neighborhoods, in their, you know, workplaces, and in their communities? 
Well, you know, nobody had the credibility like Jesus did to be able to talk about the afterlife, yeah, because mm. not only was he there, he died and was dead uh, and then returned to life, but he, as a son of God, created the afterlife. And so we go to him and we say, what does he say about it? And what I love about that is when Jesus was talking to his disciples, he talked about heaven as being a home. There's many rooms in my father's mansion. It's a home for you. And I don't know if you've traveled. Um, you know, you mentioned you went to Honduras uh, on a missions trip. And, and um, I don't know how many of your viewers have gone to third world countries where life is difficult. And I remember going to India as a new Christian and sharing my faith in Southeast India. Um, and, and times are difficult and you're living out of a knapsack and you're sleeping on the ground and you're eating strange foods and you begin to long for home. You have a homesickness. And when mm. you finally return yeah. home and you walk in the door and you crawl into your own bed, it is such a place of comfort and warmth and love and grace. And, and Jesus says, that's the image. I want you to remember that's the image right. I want you to bring to mind when you think about the afterlife. It is your home. Uh, this is not our home. We're passing through oh, this yeah. world. We're going to spend a lot more time in eternity than we're going to spend in Houston or wherever it is that we live. And so I, I just love that imagery. And, and it's something that can encourage us as Christians, but also to help point our friends and, and relatives and children to that, that there is hope that Jesus does articulate this image of home as being um, um, something that we can understand and long for in this world. Amen. I'm so excited to, you know, just partner with you and the other speakers coming into Houston and the other women's ministers who are bringing women um, to just partner together. Um, I think more than ever, we realize we're in this together. We need one another and to just come together for a weekend and, and to fire up our faith. And like you said, I think there's so many things today that are great catalysts and jumping points yeah. to sharing the hope of our coming homeland with others as a way to bring them to Christ. And, um, you know, I can, you know, in relation to the story I shared a little bit earlier about, um, you know, the death of my father through that experience, I also like you was led to write a book called age of crowns released by moody publishing in 2018. Um, and in that book, like I just really labored to show women how living in view of the age to come changes the way we live today. And I think there's so many things going on around us that are catalysts that we can catapult people to that message. Um, yeah. You know, just one example is, you know, our desires, like everybody, you mentioned this a little bit earlier that we're, we have these longings for a king and a kingdom and a crown, but if we don't realize it's because we're made in God's image and because we're made in his image, the Bible says we're going to rule and reign with him in the age to come, which is crazy. Like it's what C.S. Lewis talks about when he's like these unblushing uh, yeah. promises that Jesus make. Like it's kind of it may, it's embarrassing sometimes to say that, like you're going to rule the world one day with Jesus. Right. It's like, oh, my gosh, that's like so embarrassing to say that. But, but like C.S. Lewis says Jesus makes these unblushing promises of the weight of glory coming. But if we don't realize that these longings are because we're made for Christ and his kingdom, we will you know, try to do these things, find our king and our kingdom and our crowns here. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, there's just such a longing today for good political leadership. And, and, and scripture has these vivid pictures. I love Psalm 45 that, you know, vividly describes this coming king and all of his glory, which is, you know, 
is reference it's a cross reference to hebrews <laughs> hebrews yeah. again chapter 2 or chapter 1 where you know it talks about this coming king and 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 what it's going to be like to see him you know for the first time and we yeah. see this longing today for peace and for justice like there's so much injustice and and people are longing for justice in this chaotic world and again scripture showed us this that when this king returns he's going to bring like re all things in submission to him. He's going to reform the world and he's going to manifest his kingdom of peace throughout, you know? So there's so many glorious features of the age to come that you talk about in your book that I talk about in my book um, that I think get, will equip women to fire up their faith. Again, Hebrews says it's an active pursuit. Like, you know, yeah, like you said, people are struggling with depression. My husband's a biblical counselor and sometimes he'll begin by saying, okay, well, how much have you been in, like, how much have you sought God on this? How much have you been in the scripture? And it's hard, you know, sometimes when people are always just not at all, you know, and it's like, well, okay, let's start there because if we actively are working the scriptures in our soul, that will take care of a lot, you know? And so, um, I just am excited to have you with us as our opening keynote speaker. And I know that when you're with us, you're going to take us into that convincing evidence yeah. that is in your book. And so I just want to tell you, thank you for your generosity uh, to be with us this year. And we're looking forward to being with you. Well, I'm looking forward to it as well. I hope women uh, emerge from that experience of that conference and my talk, being encouraged and being inspired and being fired up and, and seeing uh, themselves as being stronger salt and brighter light in a very difficult era that we're in in our world. Amen. Well, we're looking forward to being with you in February. Thank you. Me too. I'll see you there. Okay. Thanks, Lee. My pleasure. Thank you for listening. To find out more about Adoring Christ Ministries, you can go to our website at adoringchrist.org. You can find out more about our Houston area equipping conference by visiting our website. To connect on Instagram, you can follow me at adoring underscore Christ. Thanks for listening.